0: So if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? You better lose yourself in the moment. You own it. You better never let it go. Do not miss your chance to blow. Yes, a dramatic reading from Eminem's Lose Yourself. You know, I was watching the Super Bowl a week ago, and this uh, song, which, crazy enough, is now 20 years old. How insane is that? It's uh, freaking me out. but, you know, even if, even if a song is 20 years old, you've probably got this on a playlist. It's on one of your workout or running lists, whatever, like, because it's just a great song. And like, and so I was just, we were, we had a new series and we were calling it Lose Yourself. And I as I was kind of preparing for this, as we're starting, I was just thinking about titles. And this song has been in my head this week. And so, uh, yeah, and it just kind of embodies a lot of uh, what we want. Like, we love this song, no one because... Eminem's just his voice and his, you know, the 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 how he's able to bring it to life and the story behind it, the movie and his life and everything. Like, but there's something about it I think that hits at us right at such a deep level. Like you've got this one shot and you've got this incredible ability and it's able to get out there and you it matters. Like you mean something and your life is worth something in that moment and and, and all those types of things. And so, you know, it hits at us in a very deep way. And it really never gets old. And I love that. And so we really want to be fulfilled, right? You want to be happy. And and here's the thing. God wants that for you too. He wants you to be happy. And we see Jesus teach about that. He says, blessed are those, happy are those. Like it's almost like a double and emphatic type of thing. He's like, really happy are those who do these things. And God made you for that. He made you to experience his beauty. And so so we're going to begin to look at this. Like how do you... How do you experience that? How do you, how do you find happiness? And we're going to be looking at the life of Christ and exploring this idea of what it means to lose ourselves. And when it comes to happiness, you know, we're, we're really looking at how do we define it? That's a big part of how we... If you find happiness in your life, is how you define it. And then it's about how you act on whatever you define happiness to be. And then, and then you filter everything in your life, the experiences that you have, the decisions that you make, and, and things that happen to you or around you, you filter it through those things, how you define it, and then what you do to act on how it's defined. And so this series, I want to begin to look at that. And I want to challenge, really, your natural response to what you, th- what you want to pursue in your life. And I believe many of you are here today because you've been pursuing that and you're still kind of seeking that out. So to redefine a little bit what happiness can be and to even change our actions or begin to filter differently how we go about this. So this series is for Christ followers. It's for old and new, those who are just beginning this journey or been with it for a while. And it's, it's absolutely for those that are seeking out this truth for your life and you're beginning to seek God uh, for your life and ask questions for, for all, of, all of us. In this series, I want to show you um, who we believe in. And that's, that's Christ. I've mentioned that already. It's Jesus. And why we say He's the only way. He's the one that we pursue with our lives. And so I'm going to be looking at His life. And we're just going to walk through it week to week. And especially His words about Himself and to us and for us. And so we just want to embrace the moment and lose yourself. Today I would just want to begin this, and intro this uh, for you, and I want to lead you to these words from the Apostle John. John, and he we call him Apostle John because he was with Jesus. So he he he, he wrote an account of Jesus' life. We have this full written account we call the Gospel of John, and he wrote a couple other books in Scripture that we have and. And, and so it's, it's amazing that we still have this in its entire full form. It was written a couple thousand years ago. and We have it in its entirety. In fact, we have four written accounts of Jesus' life in full, in full detail. It's amazing. People have given their lives over this for hundreds of years uh, after Jesus' resurrection to protect it and to keep it there. And we rarely have historical documents that are in full like this. And we have four. It's amazing. And so John's account is, is incredible. He wrote it at the end of his life. And he wanted us to know that Jesus was the Son of God. And he wrote it in really turbulent times. He'd watch many of his friends die. He'd watch the city of Jerusalem that he was around um, be destroyed, just insane things happening. And he opens up his letter, his gospel, and it's kind of like this lose-yourself moment. Like if he had some great beats behind him, he would have been playing it for sure as he wrote it. It's, It's incredible. So here's John. Here's how he begins. He says, In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God and the the word means Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. This is what he's using for him to represent who he is. He says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And I love this because he wrote this in a very dark time. He was watching all these things happen. And he's like, no, no, the light has is, is come and the darkness has not overcome it. It's an incredible statement for him to make. He says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And just a quick aside, he's actually talking about another John. That's a little confusing, but there's, he's known as John the Baptizer. So that's what he's talking about, FYI. Okay. So he says, There's a man sent from God whose name was John. incredible statement of Christ. He's like, we've seen him. And then he goes on to say this. He says, no one has ever seen God except for, but for the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. As Christ followers, we believe in what we call the Trinity, the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and there's such unity with each other that they're one. And it's important because it means that God is in relationship, in this perfect relationship, and He is relational. He's a relational God, and that's, that's so huge for us. He says, Christ, he says, Jesus is the one and only Son, and He has made the Father known. And you say, I, I want to know God is real. say, I want to know that he exists. Like, I can, so like, like if God's here, let's, let him be known then I can believe in him. Or you say, I want to experience him in my life. I want him to impact me. Or you say, I want to have this, this higher power to impact my prayers, that I know that I can pray something in confidence, and I need him to impact the details of my life and what's going on, and the troubles and the hardships or the dreams that I have. We long for that. We want that to be true. And if God exists, and if this is true, then God's, excuse me, then John's opening to his gospel should grip you. It should make you want to look into this and say, this is someone saying this is true. We've seen God. We've seen him in the flesh. And Jesus, when Jesus came to us in the flesh, he is making God known that it happened. It should make you want to look into it because what if that is true? John was personally with Jesus. He was taught by him and ultimately followed him as Christ, as his Savior, as his Lord. He saw Jesus crucified, killed, and buried, and he saw him resurrected, and he he gave up his life. He lost himself for the sake of Christ. He, gave what, he wanted everything for the sake of following him. John was part of the early church, and, and the church that exploded just as like Jesus said that it would, and the church took off, and it faced insane opposition, and, and the fact that the early church existed and what happened there is an incredible proof that Jesus is the Son of God and that he existed because it's, 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 it's impossible to explain what happened with the early church. It's incredible. And he was part of that. He was around Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. Anyway. And John, John here is saying that Jesus was with God in the beginning, that he was God, he's part of creation. It couldn't have happened without him. That he is the light and the life of, of, of the world. And that he has made God known to us. And so as Christ follows, everything for us starts with Jesus. Everything starts there. And we believe that he has the words of eternal life and is the best source for how we live out our lives today. But more significantly beyond that, that that we believe that Jesus is who we live our lives for. So he's the best source for how we live our lives out. But it's way more than that. It's who we live our lives for, whether life is going great or not, that he is the ultimate that we could pursue. So this series, as I mentioned, is really, we're just going to look at Christ. We're going to look at His words and begin to to seek that out. And this is so crucial for us to constantly be reminded about over and over again. And so today I just want to begin with painting a picture and helping us see and understand God's heart for us. And Jesus, when He taught, He taught a lot in stories. And they were called parables, and it was just a story to illustrate and help people understand something in a deeper way. And a lot of times they, they didn't always get it, and sometimes they did and Jesus is a phenomenal storyteller. He understands our hearts. We love stories. And he would, if Jesus were around today, he would be a phenomenal movie director and producer. Like we would love it. And I think this is total like random sidebar. I think like he's really disappointed at how cheesy like Christian movies are like these days. Like they're so bad in my opinion. Like if you like him, I'm sorry, you know. But like Jesus, like man, look at the Marvel movies. You guys have blown it. Like I mean, come on now. Like like he'd be, he's such a great storyteller. You'll see this in a little bit. He grips your heart. And we're going to look at a specific story that's found in the Gospel of Luke and a parable that he shares. And it's one of the longer ones and more detailed ones that, that we have written, written about. And if you've heard this story before, I want, to try, want you to try all you can to re-engage it in a new way. And here's why. Because as we look at Jesus' life and his words over the next several weeks, uh, we're gonna, we, we need to remember and know that Jesus is showing us the Father. He's showing us the heart of God. He is a direct reflection of Him. And so how can we understand and know God? What does He think about us? How, how, all these different things? Well, we look at Christ's life. He has made Him known. And so we're going to look, in this story, if look at this story. We look at the story. It's found in, in Luke chapter 15, and, and we're just do part one. We're going to get the first part of it today. Next week we'll we'll continue it and finish it out. And it's a phenomenal story, and it's a story about two sons, and it's well known. It impacts even culture even today, whether people even realize it or not. But it, it has this epic act of betrayal. And tension just right off the bat, the the listeners would have been just like blown away. So it's gripping. And so when Jesus told it, they would have, like, his audience, he had an incredible audience of very religious people, those who were not, and and people that the religious people despised. It's actually what brought Jesus to tell this story. And all of them would have been gripped, and it still does today, in my opinion. And so in the middle of this story of the two sons is a father. And there's a father that's kind of a central part in between them. And I'm just going to give this to you up front. As Jesus is sharing this parable, the Father represents God. He represents God. So we say, you know, what is God like? What is it like? What is his heart? And so this is a window that Jesus begins to give us to who God is. The Father represents him. So let's... Let's begin this. This is found in Luke 15, and we're going to start in verse 11. And Jesus had been sharing a group of parables together, and so about something that had been lost and found in a celebration that took place. And so this is the third. Well, he did like two short stories, and then there's a third one he begins. So it says here, he says, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. So he divided his property between them. So this is like a massive opening salvo. Like, like their hearts were like shocked. Everybody's, I mean, everybody listening, his mouth dropped everything. This was a shocking request for the son to make, hey, go and give me what's coming to me. Like the words there, it's just it's that alone. It's the same thing as saying, father, I wish you were dead. You're dead to me. Did you ever say that as a teenager? <laughs> like, have that ever come out of your mouth when you're like all that emotion? And you're like, You're dead to me, Dad. I'm but that's what he's saying. Like, his is like, so he was he was entitled to property. Like that was in tradition of the time. Like the sons, the born sons would get their property. The older, his younger son, the older son gets a double portion. The firstborn son gets the double portion of the property. So he would have gotten one-third of the property. But always after the patriarch dies when the father's dead he gets that so this is an insane request and nobody would have done and so he's saying you're dead to me just give me this stuff now and so like with the with the tradition and the elder like the double port, like he's like i want he was gonna get one third and this would have made it really complicated you got to figure out and it's not like it's just a a bank account saying (laughs) that this is like property and and things and and animals and other things that they would have had. And and his father graciously grants, fulfills this request. This would have been massive drama in the family. It it would have torn it apart. It would have brought incredible shame to them. And so the son is essentially coming into this and, and just being like, F you to the father, yeah, that's it, I'm done, you're dead to me. He's got his fingers up in the air, right? He's like, give me my stuff. Let's just figure this out. And I'm out of here. I'm gone. That's what he's doing. It's just shock. They're ashamed. This would have been like whoever people could have known They would have known about this. It would have been all the people would have talked about. It was insane. Insanely rebellious. And the father's letting him do it. They would have had to sell the property, figure out what's a third it would have been a massive liquidation of assets. It would have been really hard and complicated. And he does this. So the, he's off. The younger brother goes off. He's got his scorned playlists queued up on his Airpons, AirPods. He's got lose yourself. That's got to be in there somewhere, right? And then he's got like happier than ever, ever probably from Billy Eilish. And probably like we are never ever getting back together from Taylor Swift. Now he's probably got the whole red album of Taylor Swift up, like he's got it queued up, he's ready to go. And he's like I oh, do we'll see, see, see and he's on his way. And then he parties hard. What does he do? He just goes for it. It says here, he continues, he says, Not long after that the younger son got together all that he said he had, excuse me, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. I love that phrase, wild living. Like, I, it's, like you know, this is originally written in Greek, and it's, there's several English translations of the scriptures we have. And so it's kind of fun to go through them. And it's like riotous living, and like, I don't know, there's debauchery, and there's all these. It's just kind of a fun phrase to kind of translate. And, and he's just going for it. Like, what's a young guy with an insane amount of money? He's not going to be responsible with his money. Like, we can already kind of tell that. His, his brother later fills this on, later on the story, the details of what wild living meant. Essentially, it's engaging in all the passions a young man would have been able to have, which included prostitutes, just everything he could possibly think of and being wasteful. It says he squanders everything, blows it, everything his father had worked for, all that. So Jesus continues. He says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. Now, this is when he needs wealth and property, right? And a famine begins to hit the country that he had gone to. It says, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Probably the worst and lowest type of job that you could get. It's the one that nobody wanted to do, essentially. It says, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. Like, he couldn't even beg. Like, this is beyond desperate. This is an insane situation. But, But the bottom of the bottom... And he can't even get food by begging from people. No one will give him anything. He's incredibly desperate. So it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he's humbled. Like, this is a big humbling, right? He's, he's hit bottom. He says, so, so it says here, so he got up and went to his father. And so this is it. Like, this is this is moment. Like, Jesus is, is sharing this in front of his audience here, a, a, a very mixed audience. And this is major. And those listening, several of those listening were like, oh, what's going to happen now? Like, man, like, because this son's representing, you know, you know anyway, all, that, all that's happening. And those listening, they would, they would be getting excited, some of them would. Because I mean, they, they have to be all in at this. Even though there's people there that didn't like Jesus, but they are like, they're all in at the story. Because this son is going to get what's coming to him. Like, he's got to go back to the father and they're ready for him to be like, you can't come. Like, I don't know what the answer they're thinking, but you can't come here. Do you, you, you remember how you left? We've got a gift made. Anytime anything goes wrong, we text each other. You're doing this, right? We saw that. We've got that queued up. Like, you're out of here. You think, now you need something from me. Do you remember what you did? Everything we had to sell that whole complicated process, how awful that was and all the tears and you didn't care. Like, they're ready for, the, for this moment of unloading. Like, he's going to get what's coming to him. And they're going to be excited about this part that's coming. And so the son's got to go home. And if he had a playlist to play, he had to sell his AirPods. Right? So he's playing some Drake song in his mind. He's like, he's, like, he's just, you know, anyway. So what happens? He says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, And kissed him. That's not what we were expecting, right? Like this, this was the biggest shock of those listening. Remember, this is, who's a who's father? The father is God. Had compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Continues, it said, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And he's right. <laughs> like <laughs> Like he should be disowned. He disowned them. He's right. I love this. The moment of admission, the moment of the shame and everything admitting to all that is this moment of incredible response. So it says, "This is but the father said to his servants, quick, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. It's incredible. Four, four things that he does there. He says, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again, and he was lost And is found, so they began to celebrate. This is an unreal response, and everything he said, like he's like, hey, we read this, we're like, all right, you got some clothes for him, like it's all right, that makes sense, like a food, like just, but like this is major, like everything he's saying is 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 massive. And so those listening are just like blown away and shocked. Like he says, ring a robe. He says, the best robe, not just any robe, find the best one that you can. The robe represents, the. it's for the guest of honor. The robe is for the guest of honor. The ring was a symbol of authority. It was a symbol of belonging. You belong, you have position. I mean, you think everything that the son did, right? Like he said, if you have position, you belong. The shoes, he says, bring sandals for his feet. That would have been reserved for the non-servants, those that were just the family. It was a, a, it was a picture of being fully restored. He says, bring shoes for his feet. Not everybody get those. And then, this is my favorite one. He says, kill the fattened calf. Like for us, it's like the most expensive steakhouse you can go to, right? In the city, some of you are like, I don't need steak. Like, I don't, know, I don't know what that is for you. It was reserved for only the most special occasions. It's lavish. It would have been a lavish engagement and feast. It's a full outpouring. The robe, the ring. The shoes and the fattened calf. You ever, uh, did you ever have someone in your life growing up that just spoiled you? Like, you ever grant, like, usually grandparents get credit for that. You know, like, they just love to buy gifts, and the the parents are always, oh, don't do that. Give them all that candy. And, like, like, I don't know who it was in your life, but you have somebody, maybe you have somebody now. And, like, you go, and they just they just give you more than you probably should. And you're like, all right. You know that that feeling? You can't wait to see. You love that person. You don't know if you love them because of who they are or just because of the stuff they get you. But you love it. Like, you really love it. This last Friday, uh, I took my taking my kids out to breakfast. They were off from school. And so we went to uh, what's now the Life Pancake House factory. I don't know, Life Pancake. It used to be Brownstone Diner. I call it Brownstone. I'm going to change it. Anyway, Life Pancake over here. They're like, they're like, where are we going to go? They're like, let's go to the pancake. we want to go there since it's changed and everything. So I was like, all right. And I'm just sitting there with them, and I'm looking at this menu. And the pancake menu, it's like everything a kid would ever want. Like it's, there's, there's M&M pancakes, and there's other things. And I just, feeling impulsive, I looked at them and said, you guys pick whatever you want in the menu. Give whatever you want. I said this to them out loud. And I was just fascinated to see what are they gonna get. Like, like they're gonna read this menu and see this. And I just wanted them to read it and be like, I can get whatever I want. And so they just took advantage of it. They all got their thing. Nobody got the m M&M pancakes. This little I was I was shocked. But somebody got Nutella and some of those cheesecake something. And anyway, and and they just order, and then the waiter walks up and he just it's like he knew. And he's like, So when I'm ordered the pancakes, it was like, Well, do you wanna add? <laughs> and he's like and this is i mean i knew automatically it's enough you had to go to a diner at jersey diner whatever you order is enough all right but he's like do you want to add bananas blueberries or strawberries he's like yeah yes and then somebody else like do you want to add meat to the side of it yeah I, i'll take bacon and like, add, add bacon to it the other one's like would you like to add and it wasn't like do you like things come with stuff this is no this is adding and i just like i was like I was like, how did you know? Were you eavesdropping on this conversation? He's like, I'm getting a massive tip today. Like, he's like, I'm going for this. And he's like, do you want to add home fries? He's like, which ones? I was like, yes, I would. And I just let them say yes. And I'm like, how high is this deal going to be? It was high. (laughs) Kids are expensive. And so, and we just had the best time. We goofed off. And it was like, for me and them, it unlocked this joy and just of, of, of whatever. And it was a lavish breakfast we didn't eat till dinner and like that's picture of your father what kind of father rewards someone like this like the son said i am no longer worthy to be called her son he got it like he's saying it and it's true he's like no Bring the robe, the ring, the shoes, and let's kill the fattened calf. He's not only welcoming him back, but it's lavish. What kind of father rewards someone like this? Like your worst thing. Think about one of your lowest, your broken, awful moments, when you've been awful to another human or to yourself or And the Father coming to you and saying, Yeah, let's throw a party. You're here. What's Jesus doing? He's showing us the Father. It's God. Have you considered a God like this? Do you have room in your heart for for this? God to be like this, this kind of God. He is love. That is who he is. He is rich in mercy and grace. That's how he describes himself. I'm more like, God, when's the lightning coming? Like, that's how we've been taught, right? Like, what kind of father would love us like this? This is who we are pursuing. and You were invited in this conversation over the next several weeks. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for your heart for us. These incredible images and windows into who you are. I pray today that we would, we would know how you are seeking after us. Uh, We thank you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.